Welcome back to another episode of the Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Alex, Tyler, what's going on? Hey, hey, what's up? What's going on, guys? Uh, we've got a good episode here. We're going to go over some waiver, waiver wire guys. We're going to hit some of the guys that went off this week. Uh, let's jump into it. Yeah, yeah. It's the wire. It's the wire. D. Griffin. Griffin. This the wire. Serving up a hot take. Around the league, serving gems like a hot plate. Who's the flex? First pick. Rounds four to eight. Trading with the base. That's Superman. We need a cape. This that fantasy. See who get the glory. Who's gonna stay up in their lane talking Tory? Who's gonna ride up on the train with a hype at? Yeah, you wanna start them, but matches you might not like that. Three tutties next week. Many's double covered. Takes on a hundred coming out the oven. Tim and Todd, they the guys, know you gotta love them. Take your pick, do it quick, they on fire. The wire. All right, boys. Uh, we'll start off with a little happy Halloween. We, uh, we just went through that, had a good time. Got to dress up. We got all that good stuff. Honestly, it's the most overrated holiday in the entire world. I there's, agree, but there's no the girls love it. I think I think Columbus Day is better than Halloween. Is that, yeah, you at least no. get the day off from work. Except I will, that's why I like Columbus Day more. I get the day off. I will not be affiliated with the podcast that actually thinks that Halloween is an overrated holiday. You know what's overrated? Christmas. Do you know I why? You. Oh, bah, Christmas, bah, shut up. Christmas is commercialized Thanksgiving. That's all it is. I would much rather have Thanksgiving. I don't have to bring gifts anywhere. I don't have to spend money on things that people don't even like. And I don't have to have the awkwardness of sending it to them or giving it to them. We just have a meal. We can watch football. We can, we can, we can have a very nice day on Thanksgiving. For Christmas, I have to worry about all these other things to bring with me. Oh, I forgot the package. Oh, I forgot to send the package. Oh, I'll send it to you next year. Next year, I'll give you this year's Christmas gifts next year. Whatever. I don't want any of it. Halloween is amazing. You have a whole month of exploring death. It's great. I love it. It's very creative. Jesus. <laughs> um, so, that just got morbid. I, I, I have, I, I'm very concerned. <laughs> you shouldn't be concerned. It's just, just said. it's creative. It, Halloween brings out your creative juices. We get to explore you know, things we don't get to explore the 11 months, of, other months of the year. Halloween's great. There's vampires and witches and great movies. Oh, Halloween movies over Christmas movies. A hundred out of a hundred times. Not even close. I will give you that. I do enjoy Halloween movies a lot more than Christmas music. Uh, Christmas movies. Christmas music on a whole nother story. That's, I'm obsessed. Oh, God. I would rather headbutt a unicorn. Oh, no. But. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for you. We're gonna no, rank the three holidays, the three major holidays of Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Halloween. I'm gonna start first. It goes Christmas, Thanksgiving, <laughs> Columbus Day, and then you can put Halloween. Oh Jesus! Um, I, I'm not gonna go as far as Columbus Day above Halloween, but I, I agree with the rest of the list there. That's terrible. I, I don't know what to say about you, gentlemen. It's so clearly Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. All right. Can we be honest? And this I'm going to be the douchebag that says it. 
the best part about Halloween is the girls in the little tiny costumes. Oh, whoa, whoa. I have a fiance. Tim, how do you feel about that? I have a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so do so I, but I'm, not, I'm just going to say wow. it. We all know. I hope they stupid enough to record a podcast. I really hope. And put it out listen. there saying something about that when our girlfriends listen. Nope. Yeah, Next. Tim, that, uh, Tyler, that's a bad take. Uh, I'm all nope. set. You're alone on that island, my friend. That's anyway, funny. Columbus Day is much better. Labor Day. I'll say the things that need to be said. I mean, Jesus, I put Halloween in the same sentence as Valentine's Day, and I think Valentine's oh, Day. Yeah. Valentine's Day is the worst holiday. All right, all right. We all agree. Valentine's Day is a, it. <laughs> yes, Day we can come to consensus. Valentine's Day yeah. is to all It's a sham. Never I will never sell it. Actually, I watch Halloween movies on Valentine's Day to celebrate <laughs> how much I hate Valentine's Day. Oh, Jesus. That's great. Yeah, I'm all set with that. Um, Tyler, what, what's on the docket? Where are we going? Guide me. All right, so- Guide me through the adventures of life. Well, let's just talk about some guys that uh, that, that was kind of interesting this week. Um, some guys that kind of went off. Why don't we start with uh, DJ Dallas? Woo! A lot DJ? of controversy around him this week. He's great. Well, I don't know great. if he's great. That's, well, that's a little great. early to say there. He played he, great. He's great. Are you saying DJ Dallas is great? Yeah, why not? DJ he Dallas 60 yards on the day. Two touchdowns. What's wrong with it? Yeah, he got lucky. So he <laughs> looked like he didn't belong on an NFL football field, in my opinion. <laughs> he got the ball 23 times and had 57 yards. I mean, they got him the ball in space. He has no breakaway speed. I don't think he broke a single tackle. I'm I mean, not impressed with him at all. is pretty good defense. But Jesus Christ, if you got 23 touches, you should have more than 60 yards. I'm sorry. I mean, Russell Wilson, coming into the season, Russell Wilson loved DJ Dallas, not for his talent, but because he could be, you know, he saw like captain. He, he felt like he could be a leader on the team, DJ Dallas, that is. Yeah, um, special yeah. Leader. he's good at football. No, he's not good at football. He's really not. Um, you know, I thought he was more of a pass catching back, but I guess he's kind of like a little bulldozer, but slow and not that strong. So, I mean, like I guess I like when he got the ball, somebody had to press play. Because he was just stuck in pause. Are you referring to David Montgomery? Or oh, David Allen? Montgomery. You mean that running back leading the NFL in broken tackles this year? He has yeah, to to stay alive because they've got no offensive line. Yeah, but he breaks so many tackles because he can't make anybody miss. So he, he has all the opportunity to break all the tackles. That doesn't make that. There's zero logic to that. Whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. If he has four guys around him because he can't get away, one of them. One out, one out of every four. I don't know where I'm going with that math. It makes sense in my head. Yeah, I wasn't following your train of thought there either. But you lost DJ me on that Dallas, one, buddy. It's literally one of those situations where there's volume, 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 because the, the top four running backs on the team were all out. Um, honestly, I had him as my in my taxi squad this in a dynasty league. I needed a running back this week, and I didn't even think it was worth pulling him up for it. Um, I started Rex Burkhead and said I was going to lose regardless because I just had so many bye weeks this week and injuries um, that I might as well have just started Burkhead. And next week when he goes back to being a healthy scratch, I'll see my reasoning as to why he stood on my taxi squad. Yeah, I agree. He he doesn't have any value rest of the season. Yeah. Um, So when we're on that train – why don't we jump into Jermichael Hasty 
in that nightmare of a backfield too. Can we start by saying we all hate Tevin Coleman? <laughs> no, I think just you hate Tevin Coleman. I hate Tevin Coleman. I don't think anybody was expecting anything out of him but you. No, it's not that I expect anything out of him. It's just like you made three you, – you played three plays and just re-injured yourself. Yep, and I don't even think he was really touched on the play he got hurt. Yeah, it's not it's not Devin Coleman season. It's a Tevin Coleman season. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, he he has no rest of season value. He's useless. Um, that whole 49ers backfield is gross. Hey, you I know mean, what? The only positive side of how bad that backfield is right now? They're scoring touchdowns. No, they they're pretty much guaranteed that they're going to draft somebody. Yeah, I they I think they will. Because I don't think McKinnon will be there, right? Is it McKinnon or Coleman that won't be there? Uh, Coleman will be gone. They just extended McKinnon to a team-friendly deal. Uh, they extended Mostert. This is, it's one of those situations. If Mostert comes back in a couple weeks and he proves to be healthy the rest of the season, yeah, yeah. he's, he's the, the, the alpha dog in that backfield. We all know yeah. that. It's just a matter of he, he proved to be healthy all last year. This year he's had a couple little injuries, but. How was he missed? Like, what What scout watched him and said, nah? He's really not anything that special. If, if we're being honest, he really isn't anything that special. He's really no, a product he's of that a line. a lot more de- talented than DJ Dallas and Jermichael Hasty, though. Right. Mm. No, like, how do you miss – Raheem Mostert has some of the fastest plays in the NFL over the past two years. And how do you miss that? Yeah, he's, he's a prototype. Like, I don't know. I, Huge miss by the NFL. I, I don't know where in the process we went wrong there, but really unfortunate for Mostert because now he's, what, 28? 28, I think. Trying to get a contract? It's not going to happen, but, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. But he's, he's a monster, and it's his backfield right now. For sure. Um, but Hasty, he was okay. Um. Nothing to get excited about. 12 carries, 29 yards, a touchdown, another catch for two. Um, McKinnon was also useless in that backfield. He actually outsnapped him and had three carries for negative one yard and four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown mixed in there. Yeah, um, and, with, and with Kittle going down for a minimum of eight weeks, it's going to be tough for that entire offense. You know, Debo's out. So you have your two best playmakers, your three best playmakers with the ball out. We'll ignore Jimmy G for right now because I don't think he's that good. But he's also out. He's and he's out too. That's why I'm ignoring him. But let's not forget that Kittle is arguably their fifth best blocker on the. You know he's he's a offensive lineman who's a wide receiver at the same time when he's blocking. Yeah. Um, taking him off the field is going to really slow that run game a bit. Never mind his ability that they're going to have to worry about with the ball in his hands or running routes. Yeah. Losing Kittle hurts the running backs just as much as it does the entire offense. Yeah. Losing Kittle is huge. Um, they still have use check. So, you know, I don't think we'll see a, that much of a difference in the run game. At least I, I hope not. Um, but you're right. Kittle is a huge asset to them. And even if he wasn't a good run blocker, at least he's taking linebackers away from the run game. You know, he's got, players that he can you know he can basically move other players around so the running backs have room to run um you know as far as looking at the free agent backfield for for the Niners Hasty looked 
good, but he didn't perform good. It was weird. It felt like he had some burst, but he didn't really do anything. Um, In a dream matchup against Seattle, too. Yeah. Right. I was really disappointed with their game plan, San Francisco. They came out and ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And Seattle is giving up points at wide receiver to everybody. So I didn't really get the game plan either there. Yeah, it's it's an offense where it watching the San Francisco offense feels like watching a high school football game to me. It's a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage, and then like I know I touted them last week about getting them in space, get people in space, get people in space, but it's like it's run right, run left, a, a lot of you know reverses and and you know, trick plays. It's just, it's, it's a lot of weird. It's not like a conventional NFL offense is pretty much what I'm trying to get at. And that seems to be a trend that's going on right now. Cause the Rams do a lot of weird stuff like that. Um, they do yeah, and- throw the ball downfield. When's the last time you saw just a regular, you know, 15 yard in from a wide receiver behind the linebackers. I mm-hmm. very rarely see that unless it's Kittle. You has his plays. Uh, Debo hasn't really done it a ton this year. Um, but he hasn't really been healthy enough for us to see it. Um, it, I guess you're right. Yeah, there really isn't a ton of it. That's fair. How much comes that? Uh, how much? Co- how much of that comes down to personnel too? Like, like you just said, they're missing Debo and they're going to be missing Kittle now. Although Kittle only really had the one game. I mean, he was fine elsewise, but I feel like it was just that one huge 16 catch. You know, I think a multiple touchdown game, and then I feel like he he was a little disappointing. Other than that. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel. I really don't think Garoppolo is that good. I don't either. Yeah. I'm, uh, even if healthy, I don't think he's very good. But I also don't. I, I also just wonder if the personnel kind of hurt them this year. Um, yeah. I think I, you are right, though, because the offense seems like it comes alive when Mullins comes out. Ayuk looked great with Mullins in there. Yeah. The whole offense did, I thought. Yeah. But weird. Very weird. Very weird. I don't yeah, get it. Yeah. I'm I don't. I don't like. Anybody in that backfield, you can't trust them all going forward. I mean, yeah, great. One of them scored nine, one scored 14, but I wouldn't be surprised next week if they both scored under five points. The only running back to start out of this group is Mostert. Yeah. With when he's healthy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's jump in. I know we had a hot topic last week of the Ravens backfield without Mark Ingram, and it looks like he's going to be out again this week. Um, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. <clears throat> so the dynasty world has been calling for it that the second half of the year was going to be Dobbin season. And wow. That's all I can say is wow. He came out flying this week. 15 carries, 113 yards, a catch for eight yards. The kid was averaging seven and a half yards a touch. Ridiculous. He's electric. Like <clears throat> he's so good with the ball in his hands. I'm glad he's finally getting the ball in his hands. Um, can't discount Gus Edwards, just always efficient. He's the red zone guy, clearly, or it seems to be, he seems to be the red zone guy. But between the 20s, it's going to be all Dobbins. And I, <clears throat> I'm going to start him up as a running back two rest of the season until Ingram comes back, and then we'll, we'll see what happens with that timeshare. Yeah. And I'm okay with Gus Edwards as a flex play because he's still going to get that 10 to 15 carries as long as Ingram's out. And, you know, 16 for 87 and a touchdown, you can't really complain. The touchdown upside is there. It's not like he's one of those one-off goal line dependent backs because I do see as long as Ingram's out. I think this is exactly what it'll be. Yeah. 
60-40 split in, in uh, snap percentages, and they'll probably, both probably have about the same touches every week. Leaning tor- towards Dobbins, that is, Tyler? Yeah, leaning towards Dobbins. This week it was 67, Dobbins, 32, um, Edwards. Yeah, so, you know, the thing is, is when Edwards is in the game, he's getting the ball for the most part, or it's a play action. Dobbins is more the guy who brings in on passing downs. He'll be blocking. He'll be releasing out of the backfield more. He's more of a conventional three-down back than than Gus Edwards is. Gus Edwards is that bruising tailback. For sure. And we always talk about – we talk about the Bengals supporting two or three wide receivers. We talk about the Rams supporting two or three wide receivers. And there's a combination of – especially for the Bengals, a good quarterback, a bad defense, and a lot of volume. Well, the opposite can be true for the Ravens. They have a great defense, and – they love to run the ball. So you can support two running options on this team because this, the situation is good. So if you have Dobbins or, they're or Edwards, be winning. right, exactly. They, they should be winning most of their matchups. So if you have Dobbins or you have Edwards, fire them up. Just throw them out there, um, especially with bye weeks and injuries. And um, yeah, just especially with COVID, you don't know what's going to happen down the road. But I, I, I'm, fire, I'm fine with both running backs in my lineup. Yeah. And then the last guy we want to talk about, Jalen Rieger. Uh, 13.2 points. He had three catches out of six targets, 16 yards, and a touchdown. Um, it obviously wasn't a pretty week, but I mean, to come out his first game back, it's 73% snap, um, snap rate. He was on the field. They would target him deep down the field. He was targeted for an, uh, in the end zone, I think, another time on top of that. I mean, he. It was intercepted when they, the other, his other red zone target. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're looking for him already early. They're trying to get him involved. The six targets is, is a positive. Um, I think we're going to see much better days out of him at this point. Yeah. The six targets are nice. The 73% snap percentage is terrific. Um, especially for somebody who had been out for what, five or six weeks at this point. Um, yeah, like, you know, he seems like he stayed healthy and, and stayed in shape during that downtime. And now it's just building that connection with Carson Wentz. Look, Travis Fulgham, if he can do it with Wentz, Rager can do it with Wentz. And not taking anything away from Fulgham, he's looked fantastic, but, you know, he's not a first-round pick either. Um, Rager is a different animal than what they currently offer. They don't have anybody that can do what Rager can do on the perimeter. Um, I'd like to see him used in that IUC role um, if they can, or um, similar to what San Francisco does. But, yeah, he's somebody that, if he's if he's on your if he's on your waiver wire, I would pick up and probably you know I I'm starting him. I'd probably start him over DJ Chark next week if if Gardner is out. What's yeah, I would take that shot. We start him. You, Tim? Well, would you would you start him? Uh yeah, I picked I picked Rieger up in in pretty much every league that I'm in uh, redraft wise two weeks ago. Stash him on my bench and hope hope for the best when he comes back. I actually. Had to start him in two of the leagues that I was in uh, due to circumstances, and I'm okay with it. You know, I think like he's going to around that 10 to 15 point range. He's going to have a week where he has two or three points, and then he's going to have another week where he's going to have 25. That's just the Philadelphia offense with wide receivers. Yeah. And would you, so I guess another player to compare right now, would you rather start him or Marquise Brown? That's a toss up to me because, you know, Brown. It, they're not going to play. It, it's tough to compare it because 
One of them just went against Dallas last week, who's arguably the worst defense in football. And then Marquise Brown went against Pittsburgh, who's arguably the best defense in football. They don't give anything passing or rushing. So Marquise Brown has shown the ability to get, you know, four catches, 95 yards and a touchdown in any given week. And he's also proven to give, you know, seven points. So it's, I would, it's fair. It's, it's a toss up. It's all matchup based. You can't compare the two because of the matchup this week, but. It's fair. And, and I think the Ravens play the Steelers one more time, right? Yes, they do. Um, so you're going to get another tough, at least one more tough matchup for, for Marquise Brown, and, and you're, you're going to get another week against Dallas for Rager. So it'll be, you know, I think Rager's schedule is a little better, so I think, I think I'm willing to drop Marquise Brown for, for Jalen Rager if he's there. I wouldn't I drop Marquise Brown. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I don't, know. I don't know if I would go that far yet. I don't I, I think I would hold on to Rager still. I mean, um, to Brown still before I cut, picked up Rager. Yeah, it's hard to use him, though. They still have Cleveland, Tennessee. They still have some matchups where he can get loose in the secondary. I don't see Logan, Logan Ryan, and it, with the Giants being able to keep up with them. There's, they're going to be able to use them. And is Gilmore is Gilmore back for the Patriots? Um, no, he, we haven't seen anything about it yet. Okay, because I mean the schedule for Marquise Brown doesn't open up much. He's got the Colts, then he's got the Patriots, and then the Titans opens up a little bit, and then he's back at the Steelers. And then the next stretch of games. So your fantasy playoffs, he actually might be a, a must-start option against the Cowboys, the Browns, the Jaguars, and the Giants. So, yeah, that's my yeah. point. You can't you can't cut that that potential that late in the season uh, in a redraft league. But fair. So uh-huh. let's talk about this week's waiver pickups. Um, I I still can't believe it, but um, you know the old traditional fourth year breakout year for a wide receiver you know it take three years to really learn the system um no I, I just think it's more health and the fact that he has a competent quarterback now Corey Davis he hasn't had less than 13 points all season and it, it, he's getting better and better every week he at this point he may be a must-start wide receiver for everybody um at this point I would say he's at least definitely at least a flex play um, seeing 10 targets this week. I think A.J. Brown was a little more banged up than people wanted to, to give him credit for. He did get a shadow this week. So that could have uh, fed into this a little bit. But monster week for Davis. He's um, And he's barely owned, only owned 48% of the leagues right now. Yeah, I feel like I'm having a nightmare talking about Corey Davis again. It's like crazy, isn't dream. it? We've been talking about this for years at this point, and it just never seemed like it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, here he comes. Yeah, he's clearly talented. He's getting the targets. But as far as must start, we've got Bears, Colts, Ravens, Colts on, on, on the docket here. Are we still starting? Are we still must starting him against the Bears? Or, you know, do we? I'm not. I'm not so Kendall Fuller is going to be the one that ends up on A.J. Brown. And then he gets a second wideout. That's the thing with him is he's not their number one. Right. So and Tannehill is competent enough to get the ball out. Um. You know, in the five games Corey Davis has played, he played against, you know, he had 16 against Pittsburgh. He had, you know, 12 against Minnesota, 17 against Denver. These aren't terrible defenses. Um, They're very comparable to, you know, the Colts, Bears, Jaguars, Browns, Detroit, Detroit, and Houston. Um, So 
And I don't think the, the Colts passing defense is as good as people give them credit for. Um, I think Tannehill is going to be able to get the ball out. And he's gone 17, 12 and a half, 12, 15, and 27 in the five games he's played. And my thing, the encouraging, and everybody knows for me, it's targets. The dude's gone back-to-back weeks with 10 targets, and, and then the t- three games he played before that, he was averaging seven targets a game. Like, you can't deny that volume. It's just too much. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think Davis has seen enough volume. Um, I wouldn't start him against the Bears. The Bears are allowing, I think, the least amount of points to wide receivers this year, and Jalen Johnson's been actually really good, plus they have the two safeties, Gibson and Eddie Jackson. But past that, yeah, I think you can fire him up against the Colts and, and even some of those mid-level to hard, harder matchups. Um, if I can pivot away from you know, him this weekend, great. If not, I think I'd be okay starting him too. Yeah, and again, he's not your wide receiver one that you have to worry. If you have a better option, absolutely. But he's proved that he's right. going to get you know, seven to ten targets a week. Yeah. No, I agree. Even if he has four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown, that's still 14 PPR points for you, and you can be happy with that, you know? Or maybe he has one big catch because there's a slip in the defense, or who, who knows? Well, I'm yeah. starting him up as a flex play confidently no matter what. Would you start him over Parker? Yes. 100%. Devontae Parker, yeah. Okay. There. So, yeah, so, I mean – Corey Davis, I'm very high on him. I'm actually trying to acquire him in a couple of weeks because uh, I, I was a little late to the party on that one. Um, but, yeah, he's only owning 48% of leagues. Uh, if you need someone, a wide receiver depth piece, he's definitely could be a good target for you. Um, another good depth piece could be Mike Williams with the Chargers. So he's a guy that's just confusing as all hell. Um one week he has a massive week like he did this week, five on five catches on eight targets for ninety nine yards and a touchdown. Um, but then he'll go weeks and he'll have one catch for ten yards, and it's he's so frustrating to own and so frustrating to watch because you just never really know what he's gonna do. And it's not like he's not open. It's not like he's just not making plays. He's just not targeted. It, it, it's really mind blowing to me. I don't really get it. Maybe you guys have some insight. Yeah. So for me, it's just the the type of player that he is. He's one of those deep threat options. He's he's a big body guy, but he's not used like a Julio Jones, AJ Green, you know, one of these top level wide receivers. He's more of a a deep threat option. And if they don't need the deep threat that game, or if they're watching the deep threat, it's going to be Keenan Allen underneath a lot. Yeah. Um, the thing know, that just blows my mind is that week in, week out, we've seen – uh, what's his name? Guyton go out and catch these big bombs and be be involved and have all these big plays. That these are the plays that you would think that Mike Williams would have, and he just really hasn't had them consistently. I think it's actually attributed to Herbert's ability to read the defense, because you know two high safeties. If one of them is starting to shadow Keenan Allen, and the other one ends up watching Mike Williams and there's Guyton going one-on-one with a slot corner or a linebacker deep down the field. And I'll admit I was wrong on Justin Herbert. Oh, Jesus. Justin Herbert, can we all agree that he is the QB one of this, this class right now? Absolutely no. not. You still won't concede Knock it off that one. Yeah. The quarterback one of this draft? No. Yep. No. I, Joe Burrow just beat a really good football team, didn't he? 
Nope. He's just trying to do one of his hot takes, you know. No, yeah. I'm not, no, I'm not. Look at I'm the numbers. Buying. Yeah, Joe Burrow's been great, and he's and Herbert's been better. winning games. Mm, maybe, but I, Joe Burrow has looked the part too. He he's not, but whatever. Uh, we're 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 another rabbit hole, I think, for another day. For Mike Williams, it's not different than what we saw last year. Um, I don't think he'll have twenty, you know. 20 yards per catch like we saw last year. I think he had 49 receptions for over 1,000 yards. Not going to get that this year. I think the volume will be a little bit more consistent. Um, he's averaging, I think, 17 a, a catch right now. But, yeah, this is his career. You just kind of have to pick and choose your spots. And if you think you're going to get a Mike Williams week, you're probably not going to be super happy with it because, you know, similar to Marvin Jones or Marquise Brown or, you know, those guys, it's, you got you to kind of have to start when, when they're healthy, you have to start them because when you sit them, you're going to miss out on the big week. So, you know, it's not, it's not always fun, but you know, Mike Williams come down with two touchdowns next week and you'd be thrilled or come down with one catch for two yards and you're unhappy and it's impossible. to. And, that's, and that's the breakdown of the last two weeks. Last week, he went one catch, four yards on two targets. This week he goes five catches, eight targets, 99 yards and a touchdown. So, and this is the roller coaster that is Mike Williams. That's I hate really these guys. I absolutely despise yeah. them. You're not going to get the consistency. You just have to play them and, you know, make sure you put the players around him in your lineup with a little more consistency. Mike Williams can win you a week, but you can't do it with Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, and, you know, Jalen Rager. It's not going to happen. No. Right. So it, you better if you have uh, Devontae Adams, um, a, a solid wide receiver too, who's going to give you 10 to 15 a week. And then Mike Williams, you may win because you have the constant production of the other two wide receiver spots. Exactly. Yeah. Like if, if Rob Woods is my two, Hey, you got Bobby trees at your two, and then you want to fire up Mike Williams as a three, go for it. Right. Cause you have that production where it's all right. I'm not going to get two zeros for my wide receivers. I could end up with 21 or, or zero. And the other guy's going to get me 15. Yeah. And that's kind of how you have to construct your roster and you feel better that way. But I still hate him. I know you. <laughs> you hate any exciting player. We know, Tyler. You're not an exciting player kind of guy. Nope. Not even a little bit. <laughs> but to keep the, the trend of the wide receiver going here, um, Kendrick Bourne. He's an interesting piece to me with Debo out and now Kittle's out. Um, they run out of pass catchers over there. He saw 10 targets this week, eight catches, 81 yards. Um, he's intriguing. If you he's, want, he's interesting because they like him in the red zone a lot. Yep. Last year, in six games, he had five touchdowns inside the red zone. And typically, he's not a big play guy. He's not going to catch a. He's not a Mike Williams. He's not going to catch a, a 45-yard, you know. No, he's, a, he's a guy that's going to catch the corner. He's going to catch the dig. He's going to catch the in. He's going to catch all the stuff. enough. Right. And with no Kittle, it opens up a lot more targets for everybody else. Yep. Uh, no Debo Samuel, it opens up a lot more touches for everybody else. You know, I see a lot of Debo's touches ending up going to Ayuk because they like to use him the same way. Yeah, they're both kind of gadget wide receivers. I don't see Rob Dwelly being the picking up all of the targets from George Kittle. So I see a lot of those red zone, you know, third and, third and mid targets going to Kendrick Bourne. 
the only guy that kind of came in and started to eat at that a little bit was Trent Taylor. Um, but they've been talking about him coming out and being productive for years at this point, and he's never been anything either. So he doesn't scare me. I like Bourne as a second option there at this point. Um, the only other thing to note here is that they might be getting Jordan Reed back soon. Yeah, he, he started practicing this week. Um, he's somebody to definitely monitor if you need a tight end and if you want if you want a piece of the offense and hope that he can do what he did in the weeks without Kittle in the beginning, then go for it. But um, I, I like Kendrick Bourne going forward. He's not going to do eight for 81 every single week. But if you want somebody who's going to get you, you know, eight to 12 points a week and you just need some sort of production somewhere, I like Bourne going forward. If you want discount Tyler Boyd, you found him. Um, kind of that same style of player. He's going to see, you know, volume, that eight to 10 target range. Um, you know, it's tough to say if, you know, I think I'd have Corey Davis and Mike Williams above Kendrick Bourne, but there's a roster situation where I'd rather have Bourne. There's, there's a situation where I just say, you know what, give me those nine targets from Mullins who looks okay. And, you know, give me the, six for 60, the seven for 70, the eight for 80. And, you know, I'll take my points and move on to, to next week. Uh, right. So I, I like Bourne a lot too. I, he, he's, he's shown he can do it. Like, like Tim said, five touchdowns last year. And look, if he gets the targets, it, he catches the ball. Great. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to the other guy, and this is very much not the sexy pick of the week. Um, Jacoby Myers. Another guy that saw 10 targets um, very well could be productive going down the line, especially with Edelman going on an IR. Um, we've all seen that Harry's definitely not the solution. Um, in the last two weeks, Myers has looked productive. He's got a lot of targets, back-to-back double-digit double scores, um, somebody that might be worth stashing on your bench if you need to play. This is what I hoped Nikhil Harry would be. Isn't it sad? That's really sad. If you isn't it sad that you're getting more from your undrafted rookie free agent wide out than your first round pick last year? Disgusting. Is he hurt? Yes. Harry, yeah, he was out with a concussion. No, but like do you think he was hurt before that? Like something was wrong. He sucks. You think that's what was wrong? He just sucks. Harry sucks. <laughs> Jacoby Myers also does suck, but the reason why he's producing is there's just nobody else to get the ball in the offense. Yeah, Julian Edelman's going to IR for a minimum three weeks. Nikhil Harry's still out. They don't have a tight end to throw the ball to. So Cam Newton has to throw the ball a couple times a game. Yeah, and it's been a thing sad of the week. I texted him before the game started. Out of the three wide receivers that we started this week, every single one of them was undrafted. Oh, that's how bad is that? Good. I hate that Cam's taking the. I hate that Cam is taking the rap for that too. I can't stand it. How is Cam supposed to produce with Jacoby Myers? He's getting... But, but Alex, Tom Brady brought this type of team to a Super Please Bowl. Please do not compare Cam Newton to Tom Brady. But he's a Super Bowl MVP, MVP. quarterback. Is he a top two quarterback all time, Cam Newton? No, of course stop, not. Stop holding Cam Newton to this ridiculous standard. Not. I my standard are you were saying Tom Brady is horrible. Yeah, he missed he, I think he missed the throw to Mike Evans. He's uh, <laughs> I you can't hold Cam Newton to these ridiculous standards. With Cam Newton, they're gonna go six and ten. Right. So and expect six and ten. Stop bashing Cam Newton because I'm the not. team is ass. 
I'm not bashing Cam Newton. At this point, I'd be happy okay. with three and fucking 13. When right. would I ever, yeah. when was I ever bashing I, Cam Newton? I don't know, but I guarantee you, if I ever went on Facebook again and I, and I scrolled through the comments on a Sunday, it's going to be, oh, Cam Newton sucks. Cause like oh, all the Boston fans. Oh, that's exactly what it is. It's ridiculous. Stop holding Cam Newton to this ridiculous standard and get him some weapons. He's well, not. That's also Tom the Brady. people that don't understand football, too. Let's, yeah, let's there's a lot that. of them. There's a lot of them on the old Facebook friends list, aren't there? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, you lived in New England as a Miami Dolphins fan. It's true. I did. I had a lot of fun on Sundays when Miami beat New England. And then I didn't really care when Miami lost because we were expected to lose. So whatever. I'm not picking up Jacoby Myers. Um, yeah, I'd rather have Denzel Mims or anybody else with a pulse. I'm good. He's I don't care about right the volume. Now. I don't care about the volume. I really don't. Like, yeah, 10 targets, great. But these 10 targets, who knows? Like, I'm, I'm good. I don't see where a world where Myers has any value to you unless you're in a really deep league with two flex, like a standard league with a regular flex. I'm out. Jacoby Myers is just another J- Jabrell, uh, uh, Jembrell Tompkins, however you said his first name. I think it's Kenbrell, right? Kenbrell Tompkins. I'm sorry. Okay. Kenbrell Tompkins. He's just another one of those guys who just getting enough volume to. Just enough to be relevant. To be relevant, but they don't have any talent. Tompkins might be better than Harris. I mean, than, than Myers. Oh, yeah. ah, that's, that's because you saw him today. Uh, Jacoby <laughs> Myers, I mean, yeah, t- well, today, yeah. But it, I, the ball has to go somewhere. And I guess if you have the choices of Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Oshevsky, and insert the librarian that works down the street, I guess the ball has to go to Jacoby Myers. <laughs> librarian. Because, because the two tight ends that they drafted this year are just he's played. Ryan Izzo is not a football player. A to the Izzo. Yeah, and sing it. Let's hear it. I had to do it. Why Why won't Bill <laughs> use his rookies, man? I don't understand why Bill won't throw them out there. Because you want to know they're why? Playing, but they're just not. draft well enough. Yeah, no, I know New England has a history of not drafting well. Hey, Alex, you want to see me fire Tim up? They haven't drafted a – they've only drafted three Pro Bowl offensive players since 2000. Hey, Tim, what did we do with our third-round pick? We drafted a kicker who we caught. <laughs> and then you – oh, we had two fourth-round picks. Oh, that's wonderful. They yeah, drafted then, two tight ends who have a combined two targets on the year. And then blame Cam Newton for all the problems. Sca- scapegoat Cam Newton. Listen, uh, before we go down this rabbit hole and get my blood pressure going, <laughs> my watch is already telling me to breathe. Can we just move on to, to talk about Damian Harris and get the Patriots over with already? There we go. Yeah, that's a good transition. Um, right. I actually like Harris a little bit. Somebody, oh, if, you're, if you're hurting for a running back and you need a guy to fill in for a week, a bye week, something like that, come up. Um, he's getting the volume on a run heavy offense. You know they're gonna, you know they're gonna run the ball. Cam can't run the ball every single play. Um, he's leading the backfield, sixteen touches. This is his second hundred yard game in what three weeks? Two weeks. I I just. I say, oh, my God, because I want to go back in time and find the clip of Tyler saying Damian Harris sucked. That's what I want. I want to go back in time and grab that clip. If we remove that clip, because we can finally see the talent of Damian Harris shining through, yes, Damian Harris is about the only player on the New England offense I will be willing to start. 
He's good. I mean, he, he's been he's been getting the workload, like you said. He's getting the volume. He's efficient. I think him and Cam are probably your best shot at winning and winning games. And if they're just both running the ball, hopefully it opens up running lane. Running quarterbacks open up lanes for for running backs, and that's what we've seen with Harris so far. And I think that's been a big product of his success. See, I think he's doing exactly what Sony Michelle was doing when he was healthy. I don't think it's fair to say he's so much better than Sony Michelle because they're the same same height. Same weight, same skill, same speed. It's it's the new I've said on the podcast before, <clears throat> it's a a system in place with the New England running backs where they don't want you dancing and trying to make the big play and screwing up. They want you hitting the hole and falling forward, and that is it. Yeah, have you so ever seen I, I kind of agree with you on that workout? You'll never see a Le'Veon Bell here. It's it's a a guy who's strong enough to push the file forward and quick enough to get to the, get to the line of scrimmage before the linebackers do. And that's it. All your blocks. Yeah, so I, I kind of disagree with you on that one. Um, I agree that is how our system works, but he seems like he's got a little bit of extra juice going along there. He's making a couple people miss. He looks, I think he looks a little more explosive than Sony did. Um, he, he just seems like he might be a little more athletic to me. Yeah, I agree. I think Sony Michelle is like discount. David Montgomery, who I think has very little skill in the first place. Um, Alfred Morris, if you will. Um, there he is. <laughs> the weekly Alfred Morris. Comment. Alfred Morris, if you will. No, Damien the ball is, to the Giants right now. I was just going to say, I don't know if you guys yeah. saw my text, but he's running the ball right now for the Giants. <laughs> I know. Um, no, Damien Harris is way more, not way more, but he does have more juice to him. He's more exciting. I think Sony Michelle's knees and knees are getting the best of him and i, I think you're going to see that continue um i don't think yeah, that's Michelle was, he has a degenerative knee issue where yeah. it's just getting worse and worse he has the same yeah. thing as todd Gurley, and um, i feel bad but he was never the athlete todd Gurley was either yeah i mean sony michelle is a, a very talented back the thing is, is he's going to be out of the league by the time he's 28 years old yeah. he's not going to be frank gore Adrian peterson you know no take the talent aside He's not going to be a longevity back in the league because of his health issues. But and the sad part is, again, we whiffed and picked him over Chubb. Yes, that I will say. I called that draft day. You guys missed point, on Michelle. I can, just from watching the Patriots my entire life, I, you can make the argument that Chubb is would be doing the exact same thing Sony Michelle was doing last year, or doing the exact same thing Damian Harris is doing right now. No, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a far more productive and better back and he was out of college you it was a bad pick by bill it was he he wasn't he again i'm not going down the rabbit hole we can do it <laughs> yeah we're just gonna hang out on the patriots all day let's get to the next one i'm done with the patriots the dolphins Justin are four let's talk about let's talk about the chargers backfield while eckler is out yeah i mean pope isn't he a tight end no or why I didn't even know him. who he was coming today. No, and you, no even after the game, you didn't know who he was. I had to tell you who he was before the episode started. Yeah, I didn't so. even watch. I didn't watch that game at all. Um, but Jesus, I, I'm a little confused on this backfield. Tim saying that Pope came in at the back end of the back end of the game. Um, both just, uh, Jackson and Pope were productive. Um, they're both seeing very similar target share for the most part. Just. Um, 20 touches to 15, favoring Jackson, um, and about this 
I don't know. Jackson had much more yardage, though. But it, it seems like Kelly's kind of walking, working his way out of the backfield at this point. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, before before Kelly was pretty much taken out of the lineup, he had a 22-yard rush. His other six rushes went for 10 yards. Mm. And the thing that's confusing to me is it seems like Kelly was better when Eckler was there. Yes, and, he was. And now he's getting, he was getting up more opportunity to produce, and now he's getting worse, it seems like, <laughs> yeah, if that makes is, any sense. It doesn't, but um, this is Justin Jackson's backfield. We didn't see a lot of Justin Jackson, and actually – last week the report was he was hurt and then he was playing but then some of the chargers i guess some of the chargers beat reporters before last week's game were like hey where's justin jackson everybody was on the field except for him and then i think he ended up with what like three or four carries if that um but i think this was a fully healthy jackson week and with that you saw 20 touches out of justin jackson and as long as eckler's out i think it's the jackson backfield i don't think it's i don't think kelly's done enough to do anything other than be part of a 30 percent split or whatever he's at right now yeah. yeah he's just one of those change of pace guys where he's nothing special he's he's, he's the alfred morris of of their <laughs> team because uh, every morning running back is alfred morris but you know pope came in he had a couple good plays he did rush he had 6.7 yards per carry it could be a little inflated because one of his last rushes went for 26 and what i saw he was productive enough with the touches he got. Five catches, 28 yards. He had 14.5 fantasy points. Yeah, not bad. We'll take it. Are you, are you day, picking yeah. Pope up at all? I'm not, unless something happens to Jackson in the meantime while Eckler is out. Yeah. Um, I'm not picking up Pope. In a really deep league, yeah, sure. If you have a really deep dynasty league and you want to just take a shot at it, go ahead. But To be honest, more people so should be picking up Justin Jackson. He's really only owned a 50 center per seat percent of yeah. leagues at this point <clears throat> it's just so weird man like why are you playing pope when you spent high draft capital on on kelly like something must be wrong but... yeah that's yeah. what i'm thinking here is maybe he's a little ding or... the most talented back though coming out of college he wasn't he's not a a starting nfl running back yeah but he's i mean like you could argue he has more talent than 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 jack don't even know who pope was coming into today you tell me he, Kelly's not going to – Kelly is nothing special. No, but that's what Alex is saying is why isn't Kelly getting touches when Pope is, has 15? Yeah, I think there's something that, that you know, there's, there's more than meets the eye here um, with Kelly. I, I think there's something going on, which that means you just keep firing up Justin Jackson. I, in redraft, I'm dropping. If I had Kelly and I was holding him for the, you know, Cam Akers, you know, kind of like Cam Akers or whatever, I'm out on Kelly. He – Clearly can't do it. Eckler is going to be back soon. So just ride Justin Jackson like you did with Mike Davis. And when Eckler is back, which is somebody else. Yeah, I agree. Fair enough. Um, the other guy who's just an absolute nightmare for me, um, Zach Moss. Alex, go ahead. Let's hear your victory run on this one. Yeah, Devin Singletary is not a good running back. Um, I don't think he's very talented. This is Zach Moss's backfield. Um, he fits the Buffalo style. He has a lot more juice than Singletary, and we finally saw the Zach Moss breakout, but I'm still pumping the brakes. I still, the Bills obviously still believe in Singletary. Um, I don't know what the touches were. I have to take a, take a look, but Singletary will, yeah, Daddy, exactly. And Singletary was productive this game. I think this was just a game against a bad team, and 
you know, I, Zach Moss had a lot of, you know, I think this was a really nice game for Zach Moss. Will it be Zach Moss week every week? No, it won't be because it's split carries. You can't depend on 14 carries. You know, you can't depend on a 50-50% split between Singletary and Moss and expect to have any consistency. No. Um, I agree with you on a lot of those points, but I do think Singletary is actually still very productive. Um, Tim and I were watching this game and sitting there going, nobody tackles Singletary on the first – like the first guy never tackles Singletary. He makes everybody miss. Um, and it just seems like it's a, it's a body type thing because Singletary was a monster all the way through from 20 to 20. As soon as they get in the red zone, Moss comes in. And that's where, where he's losing his share right now. It didn't seem like it mattered what the situation was, what the snap count was. It just he was not on the field for the red zone at all. I think if I remember earlier, I saw a stat that Moss had eight red zone touches. The Singletary's won this week. That's a big deal. It is. Yeah, this week is a product of them going back to what they were last year. The weather was really bad with a lot of lot of a lot of. I'm sorry. It was a very windy game. It was very windy. The weather was rough for a lot of throwing, so there was a lot of running, and they were playing against the worst run defense in football. Yeah. And, you know, I think if if you're going to get a 50-50 split, because Tyler, you're right, he did produce – Singletary did produce 86 yards in the ground on 14 touches. Pretty good. But if you're going to get a 50-50 split, I'm taking the running back who's getting the red zone carries. I guess that's where I'm I'm talking about that too is I – I have Moss and Singletary in my dynasty league, and I sat both of them this week because I just wasn't really sure how this was going to pan out. Um, and I was afraid that this is exactly how it was going to pan out, to be honest. And it's one of those things that I just don't know who's really going to come out ahead of this yet. I think it's going to be one of those things that we're still going to have to wait and see, and we're not going to get a real clear answer till the back end of the year. This it's is what we had. split the entire season. It's just a matter of, what they do, what each one does. It doesn't matter. One will have 14 carries for 80 yards. The other will have 14 carries for 30 yards, but they're both going to have 14 carries. You know, it's just, it's you, yeah. you got to pick the right one in, in a hot matchup. This is, again, just a matchup against a terrible run defense. Zero mm-hmm. linebacker. They, they were playing Adrian Phillips as their middle linebacker, who was a safety. They did, yeah. The Patriots had like two healthy linebackers coming in. It, Lawrence Guy got hurt. Their only run stuffing line lineman just certainly went down in the middle of the game. It, who was there? That's why Phillips had to become their linebacker. So it was just a dream matchup for a, a very good run offense. This is what I think the Colts were supposed to be. I think this was this is what we were expecting out of Taylor and Mac, and then Mac got hurt. Um, kind of interesting how it carried over to the Bills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so good transition from there. Jordan Wilkins. What the hell? Stop. So, I can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't. Speaking of blood pressure, I'm done. I can't do it with the Colts team anymore. They won't feed Taylor. I know he was hurt, but I, I, damn it, Wilkins. <laughs> the and whole and Hines. Hines off, yeah, Hines went off too. It, that whole backfield is just a mess. And yeah, we got the report that. Taylor's been banged up. Well, he got an ankle this week or something. Um, they were very vague on what that was. But even then, everybody was balling out on this game. Hines had a bunch of catches and a touchdown. Wilkins goes 20, 20 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. It, it just seemed like everybody was getting involved but Taylor at this point. And 
fantasy fantasy Twitter today just killed Taylor. There was tons and tons of videos this, today of just watching Taylor run into the backs of his linemen and with massive holes on the side of him and just not hitting him. So by Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. 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 Now, right now, this is the time to do it. Let every, everybody on Twitter is going crazy right now. We know how talented he is. He is dealing with something, but in a dynasty league, go buy him. Go buy him. Give up a wide receiver in a, in a second round pick. If you can, you know, do what you can to get Jonathan Taylor right now because what about what about redraft? Redraft? Uh, if, I'm staying if, away from him right now in redraft. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset picking him up because he does have a healthy schedule coming up after this week. I would not start Jonathan Taylor this week against Baltimore. But well, here's the thing is now he's banged up. And what what is what is there to give up for him? What, who are you trading that? Because anybody that has him that has him as their RB one or RB two at, at a minimum. And they're panicking. So, yeah, and they're panicking. So what are you going to give them that they, that's going to supplement that? Would you give him Miles Sanders? Absolutely not. That's way too much. I'd rather have Miles Sanders. Right. I'd rather have you know I I wouldn't trade Eckler for him. I wouldn't that's trade I mean. Chuck for him. So if I wouldn't be moving one of the injured running backs, but if you want to give up a David Montgomery and a and a Mike Williams, what about Connor? Like that? No, I wouldn't give him Connor either. Connor's been consistent and steady. Connor's been Connor all day, huh? Connor's a top ten back. If you want to give a a, a a Zach Moss or a Devin Singletary or a David Montgomery or Damian Harrison a wide receiver, you can do something like that. Yeah, if you can pull that off, yeah, I would do that. (laughs) But I don't think anybody's given him up for that because everyone's still going to carry that hype that he could have been this generational talent. I still think he can be. I mean, not to give away too much, but I still am very high on Jonathan Taylor. You could say higher than everybody else in this chat. Um, Oh, my rest of season projections. I am too. Because after Baltimore, who I'm not starting him against, it goes Tennessee, Green Bay. Tennessee, Houston, Vegas, Houston. That's a healthy matchup for running back who, you know, if, if he, it, let's hope he's out this week and they rest him and then he's ready to go for all those juicy matchups for the rest of the season. The thing for me, though, is, is that, okay, yeah, Dynasty, I'm, you're dead on. I have no issues buying him. I would be buying him everywhere I possibly can. Um, but for redraft, even before he was hurt, he wasn't carrying the ball that much. He was averaging like 14 touches a game. The rumor, the rumor was they didn't want to get give him too much work early on so they could feed him down the road when they needed him. And that does make sense. You know, I think, you know, kind of let him get accustomed to the NFL and then really start to feed him. And now, now he's hurt. Um, I still think that's the plan. Um, and I'm, I still have him ranked in the top 15 rest of the season. I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on him the rest of the season as well. Other than that Baltimore game and Pittsburgh game in the end of the year. Start are, you, are you top 15, Tim? I have him in that, you know, that low end RB2 range just because the balance, because, because of those two tough matchups. I have him in that 18-19 you know, range. I guess that's fair. I, I would probably put him in that range too. And that's the same place I'm putting David Montgomery and yeah, I'm putting him in that range of guys. That's a that's oh. a fair place for him. Jonathan Taylor next to David Montgomery just feels like blasphemy. But and, at and that's point, at the same point, David Montgomery is averaging pretty much the same points per week. 
Oh, that's gross. And they may suck, but I don't care about team success. I don't care about snap percentage. If you're getting me 14 points a week as my running back too, I'll take it. And if you're getting the same production on Jonathan Taylor as you are at David Montgomery. Yeah, that's hard to argue with. Yeah, that's hard to swallow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. David Montgomery is the running back 13 on the year. That's disgusting. In full PPR? Yeah. And and Jonathan Taylor is the running back 19. Oh, that hurts to swallow. Oh, all right. On that note. Let that one sit for a little bit. I got to get it move on from that. Yeah. So, Tim, you were really high. You thought he was the waiver out of the week is Marvin Hall. I disagree with you on that one. Um, I don't see him being productive from here on out. Um, last time Galladay went out, we saw Quentin Cyphus come in and him be productive. You see a ton of targets. Forgot and... about Quentin Cyphus. Yeah, see? Second fastest player in the draft. Nice. I, I, I think we're going to see more of him again. Um yeah, Marvin Hall, Marvin really Hall is not the ad of the week. I was joking pre, pre-episode when we were talking, but, you know, four, for, four of seven targets, 113 yards. He did see 69% of the snaps. That covers it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's all we got on that one, yeah, guys. Yeah, that's, that's all we need to say. I don't. 27-year-old wide receiver. He's not very big. He is fast, but, you know, this is as many targets as he had all season coming in. Yeah. I feel, like we're talk- I feel like we're talking about me playing flat flag. He's 27. He's not very big. He's kind of fast. Yeah. That's it. He's under 200 pounds. Yeah. You've got a much better mustache, though. I do. Thank you. It's not great. It's not it's great. Does Marvin Hall have going, a mustache? So. No. I have no idea. Oh. Probably not. Oh, well, the interesting yeah. is Cy- uh, Quintez Cyphus was a healthy scratch this week. He was. Yeah. Next so, I, I definitely see him being being used now that Kenny Galladay is going to IR. But uh, that we, that's still to be seen. We have not. There's no been official report of him going to IR. Last we saw was he was going to he was week to week. Um, we really haven't heard how injured he really is yet. It's a hip injury. I I believe yeah, I saw he's IR for three weeks. Yeah, he's yeah, on IR, I believe. Yes, I haven't I seen anything bigger... that comes out with that yet. I think the bigger question here is what do you do with Stafford? Like he's been productive this season to a, you know, mostly yeah, he hasn't, he's been a little underwhelming. That's for sure. But coming off, he hasn't back been what, he, what we thought he was going to be last year. No. And, and I think, I th- really think the Lions wanted to run the ball. I may, you know, I wrote an article early in the off season that was about carry on and how I think the Lions might actually turn to running the ball more. And i you know, I was hoping that the demise of carry-on kind of crushed that running dream and Stafford was going to be a top-five quarterback. Obviously not the case. They're just running the ball nonstop. So what – like, we are – we did see back-to-back productive weeks out of Stafford. How does this Galladay injury affect your Stafford ranking? Um, With I, I'm putting him – Coming up, Minnesota, Washington, Carolina, Houston. Those are all really good matchups. You know, Minnesota's going to put up some points on Detroit's defense. That's going to be a shootout. Um, the Washington game, that's a really bad defense. Carolina, we, we've seen them put up some some good games where they've given up some points to their opposing quarterback, and then he's going to have to keep up with the Sean Watson. So the volume is still going to be there. 
Um, it's just a matter of who it's got. You know, this is going to be a, a big jump for TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, you know, I, w- I will say one thing about the teams that they're facing is that they're all, except for Washington, they're all beatable on the ground. So maybe we need to look, you know, I think Hawkinson's a good call out, but I think DeAndre Swift is the best, the best, op- the biggest benefit, uh, whatever word I'm going to factory. Thank you. Um, there you go, buddy. He's the biggest player to maybe bring up here is I think Swift is starting to carve out a role on third down, but now we could see more of him in the backfield just in general with no Galladay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's very possible. Um, Marvin Jones has been lackluster. Hawkinson looks great. Been good. Eh, he hasn't had a massive game yet. 14 and 19 the last two weeks. Definitely. Yeah, fantasy-wise, he's been good, but for football purposes, he hasn't been great. Again, I don't care about team success. We're talking about how the target share is going to go here, and I and I kind of agree that Swift may be maybe someone that does start to see a little more volume here. Is where I was yeah. going with that. I think Swift's a great ad if if he's out there. His last Marvin Jones's last three weeks, five, six, and seven targets. <clears throat> We're talking about a lot of these guys. You know, he's right in that ballpark with the, you know. Kendrick Bourne, Damian, uh, I'm sorry, Jacoby Myers, Mike Williams, he's in that category, especially now that Kenny Galladay is gone. I wouldn't be surprised if he has 10 targets in the next two weeks and he scores a couple touchdowns. I refuse. Yeah, that's to get probably back fair. I refuse the Marvin Jones season <clears> because, A, I tweeted about it, that I'm sick of Marvin Jones week. And, two, he cost me a huge win and I'm all set. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm still mad at him about that two points against New Orleans. Yeah, I'm very petty when it comes to my fantasy players. I will not be playing Marvin Jones anywhere the rest of the season. Yeah. Jesus. Yep, I'm very petty. I, I make no bones about it. Marvin Jones, you're dead to me. <laughs> if you're listening, just now. So, moving on to the last guy <laughs> of the night, I guess. Um, you got Curtis Samuel. He had a monster day for us um, on Thursday against Atlanta. Um, didn't have great yardage. He had seven seven touches, but two touchdowns. Two goddamn touchdowns out of nowhere on little gad. Well, no, the one the first one was a good touchdown. The second was a little gadget play. Yeah, I mean he ran he ran a cor- uh, corner off of a flea flicker, and then he also just took the ball and ran it as a running back from, uh, from like eight yards away. And they're trying to get him the ball a little bit more. I, it's just with McCaffrey coming back, I see Curtis Samuel's production just getting swallowed up. Um, yeah. It, because where he was productive last year was being opposite of DJ Moore. All that's going to Robbie now. So now you're the third wide receiver, arguably the fourth wide receiver on the offense next week because McCaffrey's going to get, if they, if they give him his regular touch load, he's going to get 10, 12 targets again. Yeah. yeah, Curtis Samuel is a better NFL player than he is fantasy option. Um, reminds me of Anthony Miller quite a bit, where I thought Anthony Miller would be great. Kind of had the same feeling on, on Curtis Samuel. I think they're both still great players, but I think they're better NFL players than fantasy producers. That's a fair point. Um, he's not a guy that I'm adding. He uh, big week, splashing the splashing the pond here. Um, let somebody really else. Though? His last three weeks, he went 11.4, 17.3, 21.4. 
And we just said that he's going to lose volume. Right. And I think that's the thing. It's just, it's, it's more of a product of the ball going somewhere. He's only been good when Mike Davis wasn't useful. Exactly. So when McCaffrey comes back and that's, he's going to get swallowed up once McCaffrey comes back. But if McCaffrey misses another week, Curtis Samuel could be a startable player again next week. It's a three week splash. Takes a long time to get there. He's getting those (laughs) underneath targets that they were trying to get Mike Davis who, once they realize he's really not that talented of a running back. Magic wore off for Mike Davis, man. Yeah. (laughs) Halloween ended, or I don't know. I don't know what happened with with Mike Davis. He just fell. like He fell like Daniel Jones fell on his face. I don't know what happened, but it was uh, Mike Davis. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I was hoping he was going to get a bag, too. Yeah, no. Oh God, no! From who? <laughs> he got cut by the Niners, maybe. Oh, no. Maybe he the Niners would have paid him. Raheem Mostert got cut by like six teams. Yeah, I always say that's real wishful thinking at this no, point. No, no, I'm not comparing Davis to Mostert. I'm just saying you can get cut and be productive. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that note. Um, you guys got anything else you want to add? I know you wanted to throw out a quick Auden Tate talk. Um, yeah, I mean, he's somebody to pay attention to. Um, if AJ Green does end up getting traded tomorrow, um, he may be someone that pops in. Had a nice little game this week. He's not anything, anybody that's going to break the bank, but somebody to pay attention to. Uh, I would be more interested in Auden Tate if he left the Bengals. Um, I think he's actually super talented. He and Higgins are just very similar players. I think Higgins is better. But they kind of have this much more athletic. Auden yeah. is huge. He's like six six. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, they both can high point the ball really well. I guess is what I was really yeah. saying. But they have um, to see much of that on that offense. It, it, yeah. I, I agree. If if Auden Tate gets moved somewhere, if he goes to New England, or if he goes to, <laughs> if he comes to New England, he could perfect. be a perfect fit with Cam yep. Newton. Oh man, we should. Oh, I love that. Auden Tate needs to get to New England. How do we get him there? I don't know. Talking about it on the podcast until tomorrow at four o'clock. Yeah. No, no, no. We need to call someone. You guys live in New England, don't you know? I'll Bill? drive to Attleboro. I'll <laughs> knock on Bill's house. It's a little state. I'm sure you could get there and know everybody knows each other. Yeah, everybody oh, knows God. You. Yeah, everybody knows each other in Massachusetts. Yeah. Get them on speed Rhode, dial. Rhode Island. I, I think there's eight people who live in Rhode Island. Well, that might be true. Well, all right, that's it. That's all we got for Waiver Wire, guys. Uh, tune in because we're going to have a couple other good episodes this week, uh, breaking down our rest of season rankings for each position. Ooh, I gave a little hint earlier. Oh, Jonathan geez. Taylor. Yeah. So tune He's in. 15, spoiler alert. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, boys, thank you. We'll see you later. See you.